Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. This thing is on? <laughs> yes, this thing is on. Welcome in to Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Damon Cotton, your boy Q in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. We were just having a good old time. <laughs> Q was having a good old time, everybody. I was outside the studio. I was talking. I was talking with Lauren from our sister station. She was talking about Beer Fest. It's funny. She was talking about Beer Fest, and she was asking me if I've ever been there, and I was getting information from her. And I was going to go out there and support because as a station, as radio stations, we should go out there and support everybody. So I thought, oh, okay. When is the time? Oh, it's Saturday. I said, oh, okay, great. What time? She said, one to three. Well, I'll be busy that time, so I won't be able to go. But before I had an opportunity to say, oh, I can't make it because I'm going to be busy, she said, I should have told you a different time. (laughs) I said, what do you mean? So the time that you're actually going to be somewhere where I could have came out and supported you, again, sister station, you actually want me to not be there by telling me, oh, I gave you the wrong time. Ooh. That's a cold game. It is. So that's how we came into the show today. <laughs> so welcome in. Welcome back. It is Unnecessary Roughness. And that was very unnecessary by Lauren, but that's okay. That's how they do us around here. But it's all good. The way you were talking, I thought you were more interested in Beer Fest than the show. Well, I just, I just wanted some information, right? I mean, that's the thing about it. I like to support everything that's going on, just like we support ESPN Las Vegas and Fox Sports Las Vegas and 1230 The Game and all our sister stations, you know, The Point, The Comp, everything. She tried to tell me the wrong time that Beer Fest was going on, she said. And and it's funny, if she hadn't advertised it like you should really go and check it out because it's a lot of fun, then I probably wouldn't have been interested. But you know when someone sells you on something that's great? And then so you, you know, just naturally just try to be a nice guy, first of all. Like, oh, okay, hey, cool, when is it? And then by the time she finishes the conversation, she's like, well, I should have told you the wrong time. So basically, she set me up for failure. She was just working, Q. You know, always in promote mode. That, that's all but it was. But she's trying to give me the wrong time. <laughs> Why would you promote something at the wrong time to me? <laughs> right? It's hard to turn it off sometimes. You know, she was just, oh, man, this is like I'm really making it sound like it's so awesome. Ah, but it's Q. That's what it, that's the vibe I'm getting. So she doesn't want me to go is what you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> you can enjoy Beer Fest, just not while she's there. Right, exactly. So there you go. All right. So apparently Beer Fest is going on this weekend. Uh, I think she's at Boulder City, and she's going to be there from 1 to 3. So if you want to go check out Lauren, go ahead and check her out from our sister station. We'll go ahead and start the show with the promotion. But I will not be there. I will be busy, and apparently she wants me to go at the wrong time anyway. So there, there is that. But we got a lot to get to on today's show. Excited about it as we always are. Got some really good guests lined up for you. Starting things off at 2.30, we'll have Adam Hill from the RJ and ESPN Las Vegas. He's actually over at the NCAA practices right now. Gonzaga's practicing. Uh, UCLA's practicing. They got a big Sweet 16 game going on tomorrow night right here in Las Vegas. So we'll talk about that. But, of course, we'll talk about the silver and black as the Raiders have made a couple more uh, free agent signings official today. Cornerback David Long. Jr. and not the David Long Jr. that other people are thinking about or not. 
I guess junior, but David Long that other people are thinking about. He was the one that played with the Rams, had 21 tackles and a pass breakup during his four starts with the Rams last season. He was made official earlier today. And then just a little while ago, tight end Austin Hooper signed a one-year deal with the Raiders, two-time Pro Bowl tight end. Uh, one year, one year, $2.75 million, up to $3.5 million. So I know Darren Waller's no longer in the mix when it comes to the tight end position for the Raiders, but all of a sudden... You know, O.J. Howard is in the mix. All of a sudden, Austin Hooper is in the mix. You have uh, Horstead in the mix. And I still believe in a very deep tight end draft that the Raiders could dip into the draft and pick up a tight end as well. So all of a sudden, that room that looked like it was barren has uh, has some players in it. So Austin Hooper is the latest to join that group. So Adam will talk to us about all things Raiders, silver and black, what's going on with the free agency, what he believes the Raiders should be doing when it comes to the draft. He put out his latest mock draft which I'm very intrigued by. Adam Hill does a very good job when it comes to mock drafts, and I'll just tell you right now, let the cat out of the bag. At number seven overall, he had Devon Witherspoon, the cornerback out of Illinois. I have no problem with that. I tell you that because you're going to need that information during the opening drive. But coming up at 3 o'clock, Vinny IR uh, from Sporting News. He uh, put out a piece on the Sporting News about free agency grades, and believe it or not, as much as Raider Nation is up in arms, this is what caught my attention. I thought, okay. He put out some uh, free agent grades for uh, you know for multiple teams, including the Raiders. I'm interested to see where Vinny has him rated, and he had him at an A minus. He had him at an A minus, and I was pretty shocked because as many people are as angry about what the Raiders have done in free agency, uh, Vinny from the Sporting News kind of understood what they had going on and kind of understood the the way that they were planting the seeds right now and what they could do coming up in the draft and how they could put the team together. I'm not saying they're putting together a Super Bowl winning team, but he understood the method to the madness. So we'll talk to Vinny IR from Sporting News coming up at 3 o'clock. At 3.30, Jay Stevens locked on Buckeyes. He's joined the show multiple times. He'll join the show to talk about Ohio State's, uh, their their pro day that they had today, and Demond. I believe, and I think you believe as well, that the Carolina Panthers at number one after trading up with Chicago are going to go and get C.J. Stroud, the quarterback position. I believe you believe that, right? They had the entire staff there. They had 14 people there at Ohio State's pro day. 14 representatives. The Raiders had five. That's a lot. They had five. Other, uh, other organizations had eight. The, uh, the Saints, I think, had nine. Some, I mean, there was like eight, eight different teams that had multiple, and I mean multiple people, at this pro day. And like two or three is normal. Five, eight, nine, 13, 14. That's not normal. That's who was at Ohio State's Pro Day today. Uh, 30 out of the 32 teams were represented. Again, there was just a grip of people. There was 14 tra- draft prospects that were out there competing and showing what they could do. So, I mean, as much as Ryan Day and Ohio State doesn't always come through in, in, in the clutch and go and win it all, <laughs> I mean, they, they don't. I mean, they haven't done it, you know, in a minute. The last time they won a national championship, Ohio State, that is, when Zeke Elliott was the running back, and that's fine. I mean, you're not going to win it every year. They're a damn good team. You know that. Each and every year, you know what Ohio State's going to do. But, man, they got a lot of guys that are going to be competing to get into the NFL draft, and obviously the rest of the league is aware of that. Here's that cherry on top about the Panthers. David Tepper was there. Right. The owner. There you go. Mark Davis wasn't there. Right. So that lets you know, yeah, C.J. Stroud's their guy. That's exactly right. They took him out to dinner. I saw a note that they said they took him out to dinner last night and had a really good uh, conversation and very little about X's and O's, and it was more just kind of personal stuff and getting to know the guy. So once they're getting to know the guy – Please believe that's going to be their guy. So C.J. Stroud, I feel pretty confident saying he'll be the number one quarterback, the number one player taken off the board uh, at the end of April. So Jay Stevens from Locked On Buckeyes will join us at 3.30 to talk about Ohio State's Pro Day. At 4 o'clock, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She'll talk to us about UNLV. But before we get into anything UNLV with Paloma, 
We last time we talked to her, she was in Baton Rouge. She was with the Lady Rebels as they were about to take on Michigan uh, in, in the the start of the the women's side of the the March Madness tournament. She said she was going to bring us something back. She brought us nothing back, but she came back with a new Twitter account. Apparently, her Twitter account either got hacked, and then she had to deactivate it. So now she has to start over from scratch. So Paloma, our good friend, is starting over with her Twitter account. So if you follow Paloma, it's now at Paloma Fox 5 News instead of it used to be at Paloma Villacana. Yeah, man, Elon Musk's Twitter, this is what happens. The hackers, they can get your information a little bit easier. I wonder if she clicked on a DM or something. I, we, that's what we got to ask her. How did you let this happen? I mean, I don't even know. I know Freddie Coleman on ESPN, his for the longest had been hacked, and he was trying to work to get it back, get it back. He's like, Hugh, I don't know. I don't know when I'm ever going to get it back. He has his back, though. So he found a way to get his back. Paloma did not. So we'll ask her about that. But we'll also ask her about UNLV, what they have to do now to, to you know, regroup, uh, get back on that horse and ride it again. And, get you know, they were a really good team, obviously, during the regular season. Uh, but they got to the tournament for the second year in a row, and they're one and done. So what do they have to do? Uh, football team, they're back at spring football. They're going through their drills. Uh, also, the Aces and Fox 5 Sports is the home of the Aces, just like we're the home of the Aces. Uh, we play their games on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. So uh, we'll talk to her about the coverage of the Aces as well. So Paloma Villacana joins us at 4 o'clock. Then at 4.30, Matt Neverett. He's the Aviators. He's on the play-by-play. He's on the call for the Aviators. The Aviators get started. That's the A's AAA team. They get started on the 31st. And you can hear the Aviator games, all their games, right here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So we'll talk to him about the Aviators, but we'll also talk to him about the WBC, the World Baseball Classic. Uh, There's about 14 members of the Aviators that actually played in the Classic, represented multiple different teams. And the Classic was a Classic last night as Japan topped the USA. And uh, it was unfortunate, of course. I'm rooting for the USA. I want them to win. But, man, you see Shohei Otani going up against Mike Trout. It doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any better than that, and it makes you beg the question, how are the Angels messing this up? Well, I mean, they're just not a very gosh. good team. They're just not a very good team. But I'll tell you what, as many things as baseballs try to do, Major League Baseballs try to do to make the game more fun, to get more fans drawn in, make the bases bigger, make the, the game go quicker, have a pitch count, all this other dumb stuff that they've done to the game of baseball to try to improve it. You know what makes baseball exciting? Watching the World Baseball Classic. That, yes. was, that was exciting. Give me a little bit more of that, and you'll see more eyeballs on the game because all of a sudden there may be players that you're seeing in the WBC that you didn't even realize were on the A's or the Giants or the Dodgers or the Braves or whoever your team is. And you're like, oh, wait, hold on. That can't wait. Okay, let's, let's go see that guy play. And then that makes people put their eyeballs on the game. I think the best thing baseball could have done for baseball – was what we saw in the WBC. That was fantastic action that we saw. And Japan comes away with the victory, and Otani is fantastic. And everybody and their mother is talking about Otani in Japan today. I even watched about 30 minutes of the post-game coverage just because <laughs> I was like, oh, man, this has been great. Right. And even though he he's talking with his um, interpreter, yeah. I still wanted to hear what he had to say a little bit right. when he's talking to A-Rod and Big Poppy because right. I was all in. Exactly, exactly. That was fun. That was exciting. So well done by the WBC, the World Baseball Classic. So Matt Neverett will join us at 4.30 and uh, talk about the Aviators and the WBC. And actually tomorrow I'm excited. We'll have a young lady that was there on hand for the whole thing, the whole tournament. She'll join the show just to talk about all the action. She'll talk. She'll join the show, I believe, at 4.30 tomorrow. We still got to hammer that out. But that's a guest I'm looking forward to as well. So there you go. That's the guest lineup that we have for you already lined up today. Adam Hill from the RJ and ESPN Las Vegas at 2.30. Vinny IR from Sporting News at 3. Jay Stevens locked on Buckeyes 3.30. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports at 4. And Matt Neverett closes us out 
at 4.30. With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Before we get into the opening drive, I want to pass this note along from my guy John Machoda. He covers the Cowboys for The Athletic. The Cowboys have signed long snapper Trent Sieg. He has spent the last five years with the Raiders. So there you go. Uh, Trent Sieg is now a member of the Dallas Cowboys. We all knew that he would land on his feet. It would be no questions asked. Really good uh, long snapper and now he is in uh, the DFW with the Dallas Cowboys. But I want to get into the opening drive, and sometimes this happens, and I always enjoy when we have discussions like this because, one, we help cross-promote for other shows here on the station. We're just coming off the heels of the JT The Brick Show, always a really good show. The Morning Tailgate, they put in their work, they do a good job, and they have Eddie Borsilli on, I believe, every Wednesday uh, at 8 o'clock. And Eddie Borsilli, he uh, used to be at Sirius XM Radio, and he's a program director for, uh, uh, what, Fight Nation now on Sirius XM. Mm-hmm. He, and he has his own uh, podcast that's Raiders-related, football-related. Really good dude. He's been a guest on this show multiple times. But he is their regular guest on Wednesdays, just like John McClain is our regular guest on Tuesdays, which is great. Fantastic. So they were talking to him this morning, and I mentioned Adam Hill and his mock draft. Adam Hill has... Devon Witherspoon from Illinois as the Raiders pick at number seven. And the closer and closer we're getting to the draft, one, I'm getting amped. I'm so excited for the draft, man, because free agency, it kind of is what it is. But the draft is, that's my thing. That's my bag. I love the NFL draft. Regardless, I, I, I love the draft for all 32 teams, not just one. I just love just the coverage of the draft. I love being at the draft. It is my favorite event. If you had to take every event away from me and say, Q, you can go to one event, one big event every year, I would go to the draft every year. Every year would be hands down winning me close. Over Super Bowl? Absolutely. Ooh. Absolutely. Super Bowl, only two teams are going to really thrive, right? And only one's going to be happy at the end of the day. When you leave the draft, there's 32 fan bases that are pumped. Now, I'm not saying they all got good guys, but they think they got good guys leaving the draft. I promise you, 32 fan bases are super fired up and excited leaving the draft where you leave the Super Bowl, there's only one team fired up and another team's angry. <laughs> And blaming the referees <laughs> or the field, right? I mean, it's, it's always something. Hey, man, that field was bad. It was bad. It was bad. So so I believe it was Heidi who presented Adam's pick at number seven to Eddie in this conversation that they were having. And this is what Eddie had to say. Again, remember, in Adam Hill's mock draft at number seven, and we'll talk to him about it coming up at 2.30, he had Devon Witherspoon, the cornerback out of Illinois, as the Raiders pick. But this was Eddie Borsilli's response when he heard that. Guys, I don't know if it's just a me thing, and it's probably not that. I can't, I just can't stand picking these corners, like, especially in the top 10. Like, it just, the success and failure rate, and I'm not even saying a failure rate, but like, you're, you're drafting a guy, and if you're drafting him in the top 10, unless he's not the Asamoah or Darrell Rivas, is it really worth it? Like, you can get corners, like, you know, look at Tariq Woolen on the Seahawks, look at guys that are scattered around the league, and I'm not saying it's easy, but I just think, you know, is it, if the rush can't get to the quarterback, it doesn't matter if you have Deion Sanders back there covering. He's not going to be able to cover for 10 seconds. You have to be able to, you know, Al Davis, the quarterback has to go down hard. You've got to be able to get to the quarterback. And Devin Wilderspoon might be a terrific player. He might be an all-pro and, and, and have tons of interceptions and have a great career. I just can't justify it in my brain taking a corner at seven for this football team, even though it is a need. I just can't get over it. And just first-round corners just leave a bad taste in my mouth. The Raiders have had their fair share of first-round guys over the years that haven't really panned out after after Nami. So Devin might be a fine player, but I just I, I say no to, to first-round quarterbacks. I defensive line. Defensive line. 
please, defensive line, interior, defensive line. edge guys. I mean, you play in the AFC West, you have quarterbacks that can move, you have, you have speed everywhere. I mean, the Raiders were terrible with sacks last year. You saw what, what the difference made a couple years ago with Max and Unique getting to the quarterback at the success rate they did. It really changed this defense. It took this defense from a, uh, you know, a bad one into a middle, middle of the pack one and it made the Raiders a playoff team. Like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need to be Lawrence Taylor, but you need guys that are going to get in there and get to the quarterback and just taking a quarterback. To me, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't solve anything in my opinion. So there's Eddie Borsilli. He was on the morning tailgate this morning with Clay, Heidi, and, and Vinny. And I understand his rationale completely, right? I get it. There's a need to get to the quarterback. That's a no-brainer. But my thing is, if you can get, if the most dominant player, and this is the question I want to throw out there, if the Raiders don't go quarterback at seven, which I don't think they're going to, or with whatever their first pick is, should it be a targeted position or just the most dominant player they can get? And the reason I say that is because if the most dominant player at that time when they go to pick happens to be a corner, why not take him? And you know what? On the flip side, if it happens to be a D tackle, take him. Or an edge rusher, take him. Are the Raiders in a position to be picky about what, what position they pick right now as long as they get a dominant, talented player? I think that's all that really matters. Yeah, that's all that matters. Also, with his logic there, Max and Unique, a third-round pick for Jan, right. and then Max, a fourth-round pick. Right. So the, the, the examples of, hey, when the pass rush was good, those guys weren't first-round picks. Right. Two-day two guys. And so it's funny because I was driving in, and I heard that, so I text Vinny, and I was like, well, what about Sauce Gardner? You know, I mean, and I know every DB is not Sauce Gardner, but he was a number, what, three overall pick by the Jets? And he was the most dominant player right there. He was perfect for them. Not to say that they couldn't go get a tackle later or a defensive lineman later. They went and got it. Sauce Gardner. He ends up being defensive rookie of the year, right? So that's a dominant player. You tell me the Raiders couldn't use that talent? And then at the same time, hey, we still need to address the defensive line. Like, I'm not making any mistakes about it. I'm not trying to argue that defensive line is not important. It is. Those two positions in particular, they play off of each other. You got to have good corners and you got to have good uh, rushers, interior and, and outside. I don't think that one is more important than the other. I think the Raiders need talent on every level. And just like Tom Flores said, when you're picking in the top 10, you really don't have an option to be picky. You've got to go get the most talented guy. So if on your board the most talented guy is a D-tackle or an edge rusher and that guy's there, go get him. Like maybe a Tyree Wilson. And by the way, we're going to have Tyree Wilson's uh, college coach, Joey McGuire from Texas Tech. He's going to be on the show next week. All right. So I'm not saying that they have to go and get a corner. I'm not, uh, even though I say DBs win games, believe me, I understand. They go together. A really good corner makes an edge rusher look really good. An edge rusher that's really good makes a corner look good. I mean, they go hand in hand. There's no doubt about it. But I think if you start getting one track mind where, oh, no, you got to go get this, this D tackle first, or you got to get this edge rusher first and then a corner later because you can get one later. Like, I think you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. That's my thing. I think you're doing yourself a disservice. You, and when I say you, I'm talking about Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, Joshua Daniels, Patrick Graham. They have to be married to the idea of getting the best player. And I do agree that it's on the defensive side of things. On top of that, right? I think that what they've done in free agency has allowed them to have that luxury to go and get the best defensive player at number seven to help bolster that side of the ball that has been ignored for far too long. But I don't think that they can get on the one-track mind and say, no, got to get the D lineman first before the corner. I don't, think, I don't think that matters. Just go out and get a dominant player. Who cares what the order is? Just get the guy that's talented. At seven, you got to make sure you get a dude. And I understand. I understand the Damon Arnett's. I understand the Garyon Conley's. I get that. But I also know the Cleve Farrells. 
Cleve Farrell was a number four overall pick. He ain't a corner. He's a defensive lineman. How, did, how well did that work out? So to his logic, his logic, like, oh, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Not really. Because they still got the wrong guy. I mean, look, the Raiders could have, instead of got Damon Arnett, they could have got A.J. Terrell, who ended up going to Atlanta, I think, a pick or two before the Raiders had a chance to pick. He worked out fine. Right? I mean, so it's, it doesn't – I don't care what round you're getting the dominant player – at this stage of the game, when you're so void of talent, you got to get just dominant players, period. That's it. For me, it's about we got to stop devaluing positions in the NFL. You see it with running back. We were talking about safety the other day, where no safety is getting that much big money, where it's got like, – some of the positions, they still matter, where you still need, as you said, dudes. Because even if you do have this dominant pass rush, but if, you can, but if your corners can't cover – right. If you're still, uh, uh, just throw it up, they're going to get mossed no matter what. Right. What does it matter at that point, then, if they can't cover? And that's why they complement each other. Exactly right. Because you can have a great pass rush, but if, if, you're, if your DBs ain't worth the salt, then what's going to happen? They're going to get burnt. You're going to hear them saying, we need a medic. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> they're gonna be, that's what they're going to be saying. We need a medic because they're going to be burnt. Just give me three seconds, QB. I, I can beat him. <laughs> right. Right. Or just hand goes up as soon as the, the, the ball snap. Got him. Got him. So I asked you the question, and I could be wrong, but I don't think that the position matters. I think that as long as it's a dominant player, that's what the Raiders have to be aiming to get at number seven. Again, D-tackle, edge rusher, corner, I don't care. If there was a, if there was a linebacker that can go sideline to sideline like a Roquan Smith in this draft, I would say that'd be open too. But I don't think that that guy's in this draft. I haven't seen him. So I don't think that that, that guy is there. But... Yeah, I mean, don't split hairs because of the position, but we'd love to hear from you. 702-365-9200, don'tbebroke.com, text sign at 69187, keyword r Like I said, Adam Hill from the RJ and ESPN Las Vegas will join us at 2.30 and give his thoughts on why he selected Devon Witherspoon from Illinois as the, uh, the number seven overall pick in the first corner off the board in his latest mock draft. But the question, if the Raiders don't go quarterback at seven or with their first pick, should it be a targeted position on defense or just the most dominant player they can get? That's the question I ask you. 702-365-9200. Who we got up? Shields up. Shields up. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Q, how you doing, man? I'm fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for taking my call. Now, I'm 100% lock and step with you. You know who wants a cornerback on that team, Q? Hmm. Mr. Max Crosby. Right. Because Max has getting in there, but there's been no coverage. There's been no coverage. And all coaches, as you know, always say rush and coverage go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. That's automatically. There's three good corners out there. We missed on the first pick, first round pick last year because of Devontae Adams, and I'm cool with that. All right, it was a great, it was a great, uh, great signing, great trade, whatever. But right now is the time to get the corner at no- number seven. It's either Gonzalez, Porter. Porter's got size. Yeah. 6'2", close to 200 pounds, great tackler. Great school, and of course Witherspoon. I like Witherspoon too, but right now we need that dominant corner, like you said, and it is a target. It is a target spot because <clears throat> Rocky Sinden didn't didn't pan out. He's gone, and I think we need somebody with Hobbs. I think Hobbs is going to be on the other side. But I'm 100 percent with you, man. And then we in the next round we go linebacker. And then we go maybe interior alignment. We can address all three. But right now, to get that corner is, is the key. Thank you for taking my call. 
and Shields up. There you go. Shields up. Thanks for the call, my man. And, and I'll even say this. Again, even going back to the you know targeting the position, and, and you're good with targeting the position, targeting the corner. Again, if that's not the highest-rated player on their board, I'm okay if they go in a different direction, right? I, I think that Gonzalez and, and Witherspoon and, and Porter – or, um, uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, Porter Jr., uh, I think that those guys are the most dominant corners. I think those are the top three, and there's everybody else. But even if they have someone that's a defensive lineman that just happens to be rated higher, then go with that guy if he's there. I'm cool with that. But you have to get dominant players. You have to get the most talented dude on the board at the time because that's been the void – that the Raiders have had for the longest. They haven't had the talent. 702-365-9200. That is our phone line. Of course, our don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword r Let's get one more call in. Who we got, Damon? Nash. Nash, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? I want to agree and disagree with you guys at the same cool. time. You certainly can't reach, which has been the MO of the Raiders, but there are positions of more value. And we always talk about the 49ers and the Eagles, you guys, and how we want to build that way. Well, how do they build? They build from the, from the D-line back. So, again, Tyree Wilson, just like you said, Q, that, that's my guy. I think he, he would be a great fit at number seven. And you just mentioned three corners. So you could trade back to 11 or 12 right? and probably get a player that, A, fits your system and is it, still a shutdown corner. So, and I could see him doing that. But if, if Tyree is there – uh, that's that's who my pick would be. If he's gone, I wouldn't mind trading back to 11 or 12, trying to get a second-round pick, and then getting the best of one of those three corners that you mentioned. Because I think Witherspoon's good, and I would think Hobbs knows him, right, from Illinois. Or Gonzalez is my favorite as well, but Porter's got great size and, and a good pedigree. So I don't think you can go wrong with any of those guys. So I still think you've got to do it in the trenches, and I think that's what we'll see. So uh, Or trade back and get – maybe the best, the second best D tackle. Cause I don't see them taking Carter. Cause I, I just, I just think there's just a, the guest you had on the other day where she said that she was more concerned, not about the charges, but that he came to the, uh, the, 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 the tryout workout mm-hmm. out of shape. Right. And that showed character issue. And I, I thought that was a great point. And I agree 100% with that. So I appreciate you guys letting me vent on you. Hey, t- great call, Nash. We do appreciate that. Good stuff right there. And, and look, again, I'm trying to let it be perfectly clear. I'm not saying that they have to target a corner. I'm saying whoever's the highest on your board, don't just dig get the trenches because, you know, you feel like you have to get that guy. If he's not rated, again, hear me, hear me clearly. If he's not rated as high as that corner, why skip the corner to just go get a guy, a defensive lineman, Right. If he's not the highest-rated dude, that's that's all I'm saying. I'm just saying don't go into the draft with a targeted mind. Oh, well, we have to address the, the defensive line first, and then we can get a corner later. I think you should be open to whoever's the highest-rated guy on your board. That, to me, is what makes sense. When you don't have the talent that the Raiders – the Raiders just don't have enough talent on the defensive side of things. They shouldn't be picking and choosing and, well, we need this, we need this, we need that. No, just go collect all the talent you can get. So by the if the if the D tackle or the edge rusher, like you said, if if uh, Tyree Wilson is there, great, get him, go grab him. I'd have no problem with that. I think he's a fantastic talent. Go get him. But if he happens to not be there, and the next highest rated dude on your board when you go to pick, if it's at seven, eight, nine, ten, or eleven, whatever it is, is a corner, then why would you skip him because he's a first round pick? That's what I'm saying, and that's what Eddie was saying is that he can't see them grabbing a first round corner, period, because they don't pan out, and that I don't agree with. That really is the question. So, again, if the Raiders don't go quarterback at seven or with their first pick, 
Should it be a targeted position on defense or just the most dominant player they can get? That's the question I ask. Adam Hill will answer it next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. If the Raiders don't go quarterback at seven or with their first pick, wherever the case may be, Should it be a targeted position on defense or just the most dominant player they can get? That's the question I threw out there to you. My response has been you get the most dominant player, whoever you have highest graded at the defensive position, wherever they pick. If that's a corner, great, grab a corner. If that's a D lineman, great, grab a D lineman. I don't think that the Raiders should be picky and choosy because they have so much lack of talent when it comes to the defensive side of things. But now we bring in Adam Hill from the RJ and ESPN Las Vegas. And Adam Hill has no idea that he started this whole conversation because he put out his latest uh, mock draft. And Adam, thanks so much for that. Your mock drafts are always great. But you had the Raiders grabbing Devon Witherspoon. And there was a guest on the morning tailgate this morning that said, oh, you can't go get a corner in the first round. They don't pan out. And I disagree with that 100%. I think as long as it's a dominant player and you feel confident in that, you go get that guy. So what say you when you hear that? Does Sauce Gardner not exist? <laughs> That's what I said, dog. That's what, what I said. Are, what, are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> they don't pan out. I mean, look, quarterbacks don't pan out all the time either, right? I mean, are we? Are you guaranteed if you draft a quarterback in the first round? Ryan Leaf's going to the Hall of Fame when? What year? <laughs> can, you, can you remind me? I'm going to go to his uh, induction ceremony because first-round draft picks as quarterbacks always pan out, right? Right. Look, every, every position has their ups and downs. There's no sure thing when you make a draft choice, but to say cornerbacks never pan out, it's just silly. I mean, uh, look, we have an example, right? Sauce Gardner's one of the best players in the league. He was a cornerback first-round pick last year. Right. I said the same thing, man. I said the same thing. And, again, you picked Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois, number seven overall for the Raiders to go grab. I like the kid a lot. I do. And I think that that would be a great selection if they get him. But if they have a defensive lineman that they have rated higher, I think they should go in that direction. Literally, the Raiders should be getting the best player available every time they pick. Well, look, and I, I understand that's what we talk about a lot in the draft is best player available, and um, yeah, that's a thing. But it's also it, it's it's tough to say. Like it's easy to say, hey, let's just take the best player available. Um, I would say yes, your highest rated defensive player, right? Uh, but I also do think there's an importance on premium positions because th- that's a thing for a reason, right? I think for any team that's out there uh, that's not picking first or second, heck, I'm, I'm going to say any team that's out there at all. Bijan Robinson is probably the best player available mm-hmm. in this draft that running back, but. How many teams need a running back? And by the way, how many teams should take a running back in the first round? I'd say none. I would never take a running back in the first round. So, uh, you know, best player available, sure. But I always say best player available at a premium position. Corner, definitely a premium position. Um, You know, defensive tackle, premium position, defensive end, for sure. Uh, All those spots are premium spots. So uh, if it's a linebacker that's highest on your board, I probably wouldn't do it. Uh, But if it is a, uh, you know, corner, defensive tackle, defensive end, uh, those are guys that I would absolutely look at. Safety, even, I wouldn't take that high. Uh, but yeah, corner is definitely on that list of premium positions. So uh, I would definitely look at going in that direction. When you look at the Raiders and what they need on defense, and again, I'm strictly looking at the defensive side of things, and you see all those holes. I mean, when you, again, when you come up to the podium to pick, 
is there is there anything that they shouldn't say like, oh, we can't do this here because, well, we need to make sure we get something else. You know what I mean? Like that's that's where I'm having a, a hard problem. And I understand the premium positions and all that. I'm just having a hard problem just saying that they have to go get this pick with their first pick. They have to get a defensive lineman with their first pick or they have to get a corner with their first pick because they have so much lack of talent. Yeah, look, they need they need defensive talent at all three levels. I, I don't think there's any question about that. I think you need to upgrade. Even look, I, I you know, see people say, well, you've got Max Crosby and you've got you know Chandler Jones under contract. Who knows what that's going to mean for the next couple of years? But you can't take defensive end because you already got those two guys. Why? Right. Like what? What are you talking about? Like mm-hmm. I, I think you need to stockpile. Even teams look cornerback in particular. I, I love talking about, but because it's a position where you know a lot of teams are like, hey, we have two starting corners. Okay, if you play three, sometimes four, sometimes you got five out there. Like that is a very important position. You can never have enough of them. You look at Philadelphia; they brought both their corners back, uh, which was kind of surprising uh, that they were able to keep them in the mix. So people are like, "Well, they're out of the cornerback business, really? Are they? <laughs> because you need more, and those guys are only under contract for another year, and they're thirty. Like you always need that position. So I would never hesitate away from it. But no, I also don't think you could say, "Well, hey, there's a need at this position. We have to draft this position." You know, I, I hate to do this, but I will. Uh, I think most people remember a couple of years ago, and the Raiders went into the draft saying, you know what, there's one open starting position on offense. That's it. Every other position is filled. We need to take a right tackle. Okay. How'd right. that work out? Right. Uh, not so well. No, so, you're right. I, you know, I, I don't think you just identify and say, hey, we need this position. But I do think you have to look at how your roster is constructed and you know build guys that way. But you also can't just go in and say we absolutely have to draft this position. I thought you know there were some responses to my mock draft this morning saying, hey, they need a defensive tackle. Sure, they do. But if if you don't have one that you think is will is ready to be drafted there, you don't reach on that position just because you need it. Like you need plenty of different spots. Yeah, exactly. And that is my exact point, what you said right there. Adam Hill from the RJ and our sister station ESPN Las Vegas joins us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. So if you've got him taking a corner in the first round, where do you see them getting that quarterback of the future if he is in this draft? Well, look, I think there, there's a certain name at quarterback that I think a lot of people think that the Raiders are interested in in the second round. I potentially do as well. Uh, but I also do believe that uh, that certain quarterback was mocked in the first round today by another uh, draft analyst. So uh, I think a lot of people are high on, uh, you know, a certain Tennessee quarterback that might be injured right now. So um, you never know. Like, you, you can go in with a plan, and you have to go in with a plan, but you also have to be ready to adjust. And I, I want to make that point about uh, mock drafts, too, where people start freaking out. And, and, you know, you look at the Raiders. As Raiders fans, I understand why. Like, you want to look at what the Raiders are going to do in a draft. But you have to look how it plays out because if you change, and I did this exercise a lot, uh, putting together these mock drafts, I do it all the time. Where if you change one draft pick near the top, say you pick, you change the fourth pick, everything changes behind it, and like that's just how these things work out. So it, it, you know, nobody's in a vacuum. You can't just say, hey, uh, if, if you're the Raiders, you can't be a GM or you can't be the fan uh, that's trying to act as GM and say, all right, we're going to take a defensive tackle in the first round, we're going to get a quarterback in the second round. Uh, we're going to take a linebacker in the third round. You can't do that. You don't know how these things are going to play out, and it could completely change on you. I've got to ask you, if Jalen Carter were to fall to seven, do you think the Raiders should take him? Uh, my connection's broken, man. I can't hear you. I, I don't, uh, don't want to answer that question. <laughs> um, it's a really, really difficult question. I, I do believe that he is a potential superstar, and, and he could not fit the team any better. Like you, you, Like, that's the guy. If you told me... Nothing else exists. There's no other 
uh, storylines. There's nothing. It's just look at these players. Who do you think the Raiders should be taking in the first round? I think that's the direction you would say they should go. But right. life is not in a vacuum, and like it is still a part of the community. And man, I think it would be a very, very difficult decision. And I, I look, I'm I'm a strictly football guy. Like, hey, let's look at football and let's ignore everything else. But there is real life, and you know the Raiders are still dealing with what happened with Henry Ruggs two years ago. And and it's it'd be very, very difficult, I think, for Mark Davis, who I think was very, very emotional about what happened, and rightfully so. I think he was devastated uh, by that tragedy, by the loss of life for somebody in the community. Um, to then go back to somebody who was, you know, in the in the kind of situation that Jalen was in, I think it would be a very, very tough call. But for the football side of things, if you're a scout, if you're the GM, if you're the coach, you're like, hey, this is not Henry Ruggs. This right. is a new guy, and this guy helps our team. So it's a very, very, very difficult I, I wouldn't want to be making that decision. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you that. Man, I am right there with you, Adam. I am so glad that I'm not that guy that's got to make the call because that is a very tough, difficult uh, situation and position to be in because you're trying to weigh the good and the bad and, man, the, the outside noise. And, yeah, that's a tough one. Again, Adam Hill is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Austin Hooper became official earlier today. Uh, they've also signed, what, Jacoby Myers? You were there for that. Jimmy G, you were there for that. Uh, there's other guys that have been signed. And of course, David Long Jr. was a cornerback that was made official earlier today. Uh, overall, there hasn't been a bunch of big names that the Raiders have signed, but what have you thought about the free agents that they brought in so far? Uh, look, I think one of the things you can notice is they're not really making any long-term commitments. Mm-hmm. I think this is a, hey, let's let's piece together the roster for this year. Let's figure out what we're doing this year, and let's not tie ourselves to anything uh, that's going to hamper us from building the roster in the future. And I think it's very, very clear uh, that that's the path they're taking for sure. Uh, so I, I, I would I would kind of pay attention to how they're building these contracts, not necessarily what the players are that they're bringing in. And I kind of like that aspect of what they're doing. Uh, so that's good. Uh, I'll say this from a media perspective, and sorry I'm out here at the uh, NCAA West Regional. Mark Few just walked by me, the coach of Gonzaga. Nice. There's a helicopter flying above our heads, so that's a little bit distracting. But um, yeah, in terms of what what they're doing, you know, I, I I'm you know I'm cautiously just kind of watching and saying, all right, look, nothing commitment. Nothing committed long term, and from a media perspective, as I was about to say, uh, we need to be happy because Jacoby Myers seems like he's going to be unbelievable uh, as far as somebody to talk to and interview and uh, get great quotes from. So I'm excited about that. And uh, I also did just uh, do some reading on Austin Hooper, and one of the things I knew, but I was reminded of, is that he is second among all NFL players. Uh, should I really do this and jinx it? Uh, second among all NFL players currently in most touches without a fumble. Oh, you just did it. You just did it, man. You just broke up a no-hitter. You just jinxed the guy at the free throw line. You, I mean, week you just one? did everything. Week one next year, fumble? If, if, it, if it does, come on, save this save this and play it back. If it does, <laughs> I'll take responsibility for that. You got it. Before we go move over to college basketball, I do want to ask you, talking about the media in your job, Trent Sieg, how is that going to shake up the dynamic of the special teams unit? I, I think it'll be very interesting, right? I mean, there, there's certainly a football – reasoning that you could use. And, you know, I think part of, you know, Mark Davis said this um, when he was introducing Josh McDaniels, when he was talking about it, and, you know, that conversation we kind of had after the uh, the press conference, he said a lot of what the Raiders have been built on over the years, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of, hey, like, it's a family, and we're not going to make, you know, we're not going to be strictly, you know, cutthroat, you know, no heart, 
uh, organization, like, you know, that's, that's what, you know, sorry, that's not what we've been. We've been a build, built on emotion and family and all that. And, um, you know, maybe it's time to just have no emotion and no family connection and just say, this is a business, it's football, and we're going to make decisions just based on football. And I think you can make an argument that based on football, like, look, Trent Seek had a couple of penalties. Uh, there maybe could be some better blocking aspects of it. And I, you know, you can say as a coaching staff and as an organization, we believe that we have found a better player to play that position. And I think that's fair. But I also think you look at, you know, what, what the room was. It was, I don't think there's any question the special teams unit is their most successful unit. Uh, Daniel Carlson and A.J. Cole, among the best, if not the best, at their position in the entire league. And Trent Sieg is a big part of that. And not only what he does as a snapper, but also what he does in practice with them, what he does in the locker room with them, being around them and being emotional support and all that stuff. So I do think that sometimes uh, maybe if you look at it as strictly, hey, this is a better football player, that might not be the best way to look at it all the time. And I, I need to work on that because I see it as just football and just business. But, you know, there are emotional aspects to this, and I, I do think that that could be an issue. All right, you want to go ahead and ask him some hoops question real well, quick? Well, yeah, Mark Few just walked past you. I mean, did you ask him about, you know, Gonzaga? He was on the phone with us. How did he no, ask well, him a maybe question? Maybe he should have. Maybe he like, coach to the side a little bit. You know, theater <laughs> of the mind, Q, they don't need to know that. Maybe it was just a I, little bit before. I did the little head nod thing of like, hey, coach, and then he did the little head nod back. <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah, but he didn't, say, he didn't say a word. He didn't ask him nothing. He's on the phone with us. Drew Timmy, is he going to be enough for Gonzaga to get past UCLA? Uh, what a – what disrespect for Julian Strother, a potential lottery pick and Las Vegas local. What are you talking about? Is Drew Timmy enough by himself? I'm asking you the question. You're the expert. You're the one there. I'm the casual. Yeah, he doesn't have to be. Julian Strother is a beast. Julian Strother is a great player. Their best NBA prospect on the team, more so than Drew Timmy. Oh, Drew Timmy is close to me, so I better not say that. Too <laughs> uh, he's, I think he knows that, too. Uh, but, yeah, Julius Strother is, is amazing. And some of their role players, Anton Watson has been really, really good. Um, ben Gregg has been you know, really solid for them as well. I think late in the year they've really developed uh, their game quite a bit. UCLA obviously was great throughout the season, but they're dealing with some real injury concerns right now. Uh, I do, full disclosure, uh, have Gonzaga picked to win the national title and mm. pretty much everything I did. So um, I think they get the job done here, but it's going to be a great game. This rivalry has really developed. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow, 2006 was that game with Adam Morrison laying on the ground crying. 17 years ago tomorrow, they're going to play on the anniversary date. Then, of course, you have the Jalen Suggs shot. You have the game that they played between each other at the Bubble Arena last year. It's an awesome West Coast Hoops rivalry. It's so cool that it's here in Vegas. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to follow up with, is the fact that the Sweet 16, the Elite 8, is in Vegas, and a lot of people never thought they'd see the day, Adam. So how big is it that this tournament is taking place, and at some point the national championship game will be played right here? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, look, I grew up here. I college basketball is my favorite sport. Um, I know NFL is what I cover, and I'm I'm obsessed with it. But college basketball is kind of my passion. The thing I don't really work on, but I I follow very closely and love. And it's just it's going to be a moment tomorrow. Like it already is. Like, but right now it's kind of a whirlwind of everything going on. But I'm definitely going to take a moment tomorrow when the game tips off to look around the arena and be like, oh my god, this is in Vegas, my hometown. This is happening at the NCAA tournament. It's so cool. And and you're right. I'm standing here outside T-Mobile right now in the back. And, uh, you know, games are going to be here, but I can see Allegiant Stadium. It's in my eyesight. 2028 Final Four is going to be there. That is going to be absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it really will, man. I'm excited. I'm excited about the growth of the city and every sport and every major event is coming to Vegas. And, man, I can't be uh, happier to be here. So, Adam, uh, congratulations. Like you said, you've been here your whole life, so you really are able to see the growth. I'm just getting here, you know, right now. But, man, it's it's been a blessing to be here. What do you got coming out on the RJ that we should be on the lookout for besides your mock draft today? 
it got everybody all fired up. Well, first of all, I don't need congratulations. I didn't do anything. It's just exciting that it's happening. It's in yeah, your hometown, well, man. No, he's, yeah, he's right. He's right. He didn't do anything. <laughs> DeMond's never done anything. So at all. At all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got the mock draft. Obviously, check that out. And uh, got a feature on Eric Musselman, the coach of Arkansas, coming up tomorrow. So uh, that should be fun as well. There you go. Eric Musselman with his shirt on or shirt off? It's all about shirt off. The whole story about the development of taking your shirt off. So it'll be fun. There you go. Next time we do a, a hit with you, we'll have to take our shirts off here in studio as well. I'll flex on yeah, DeMond a little bit, yeah. you know. Sounds great. All right, Adam, thanks so much, brother. Have a fun time. Yeah, you got too. All right, there he goes. Adam Hill, it's our guy, man. <laughs> the Las Vegas Review Journal, ESPN Las Vegas. You can find him on Twitter at Adam Hill, LVRJ. Always bringing the heat. 248 is the time. We'll take a break, come back, close out hour number one. Got a lot of feedback on the question we threw. If the Raiders don't go quarterback at seven or with their first pick, should it be a targeted position on defense or just the most dominant player they can get? This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Vinny IR from the Sporting News will join us in a top of the hour. Talk all things free agency grades as he graded the Raiders with an A-. We've been having a lot of fun with this conversation already. This basis off come of uh, Adam Hill put out his mock draft today on the RJ, and he had Devon Witherspoon, the corner out of Illinois, going number seven overall. And it's so funny because I had heard Eddie Borsilli, uh talking this morning on the morning tailgate about about that pick and what he would do at number seven, and he basically said he, don't, he doesn't like first-round corners. And that was, that was his basis. Like, if you don't have a pass rush, the corners don't matter, which I don't disagree with. I think that both positions complement themselves. I don't think people hear me when I'm trying to explain the whole question. It's not if the defensive lineman is not important. It is. All I'm saying in this question, if the corner is at – if a Witherspoon or a Gonzalez or whoever it is is ranked higher on your board when it comes time for the Raiders to pick, then the defensive lineman is ranked – why would you go with the defensive lineman just because you know that you need that position? Why wouldn't you go with your highest rated person, right? I mean, again, and I get it, you know, Bijan Robinson is probably the best player in the draft, but he's a running back, and that's, that's the Raiders have no issues on the offensive side of the ball as far as I'm concerned. Maybe offensive line. They need defense. So if you have a very high rated corner and a very high rated defensive lineman, but the corner happens to be rated to you higher than the defensive lineman, why would you go against that? Why, why does it have to be, oh, you have to go get that defensive lineman? Do we all forget they have more than one selection? It's not like the draft is over after, after their first pick. That's all I'm trying to say. You can get a defensive, a dominant defensive lineman in the first round. You can get a dominant corner in the first round. Or you can get a bum in the first round in both positions. And I think the Raiders and I think Raider Nation has seen it on both sides. That's all I'm saying. So everyone who's arguing and, and almost pulling their hair out and getting mad because I said Sauce Gardner is dominant, yes, he is dominant. And yes, I understand, Jason, that they ha- he has Quinnen Williams and other defensive linemen. I get that. But that doesn't mean the Raiders can't address that too. But why would you go with your number two instead of go with your number one if your number one is there? And vice versa. If Tyree Wilson is your number one, go with him. By all means, please. Don't go for number two. Go for number one. That's all I'm saying. But it's so much, it's almost like because you hear a cornerback, you're like, nope. Or, oh, no, defensive lineman. No, it it doesn't. You shouldn't have to target the position. Whoever's ranked highest, especially on the defensive side of the ball, the Raiders need to go get because they have so many holes in their defenses. The only thing I'm throwing out there, 702-365-9200. Let's talk to Raider J.M. Monterey. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, Q. Thank you so much for taking my call, man. I've been listening to you uh, since you've been there, since you got started on R&R. 
and I just have never had the opportunity to call you up and tell you thanks for what you're doing. Appreciate it. I've been a Raider fan, I mean, yeah, man, since way, way, way back, 73, 4, 5 was when I was a kid, loving on my Raiders. And it's been such a long time coming for the organization to finally come around with the stadium. Man, there's so Hey, Adam's a hard follow, man. I've been on hold for a minute, and there's so many damn things to talk about. So, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, where, do I, where do I even go? So at the start, start at the top, brother. <laughs> hey, brother. Hey, man, just keep bringing me back because there's a lot to say, dog. So, listen, I think as Adam – well, first off, you got the right of it. I don't know why the nation twisted up so much. Listen, there's a lot of crazy going on in the world since the plague hit everybody and got everybody acting the clown. Everybody, man. The nation just needs to slow it down. Don't get it twisted. This is really quite basic. The new regime, love them or not, is building their structure. You can't build your structure when you got a third-round pick as your first guy and you've only got a couple of picks in the draft. Uh, McDiggler's got, you know what, 13 picks in this draft. He's got his he – he called up his free agents that know his plan, that can help install that plan and teach the youth, right? Now he's going to go draft his youth. He's going to bring his youth in. Of course, he's got to give his uh, – he's got he's to sign movable – contracts so he can switch out of the free agents that don't play well depending on our draft so next year when we get another full draft he can continue to backfill that depth to get quality impact players like you're saying to you so this pivots to what you're saying you've got the right of it we're not trying to draft a dt just because we need a dt it's too bad the bottom fell out of that out, out old boy and he's free falling because of his, his racing fiasco we'd love to have him are you kidding a monster in the middle. Give me some goons. I've been waiting for a goon. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm on the Raiders forum. There's some good Raiders forums. I'm out there. I've been calling for goons for a minute. When was the last time we had somebody in the middle just dictating? Was it Romo? Yeah, that was, was... Romo? Probably. It was probably yeah. Romo, right? Yeah, 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 well, no that, doubt. When was the last time we had a presence in the middle? I mean, bless Beaker, bless Greg Beaker's slow-moving ass, pardon my language, <laughs> but bless, bless his heart, man. Beaker was a presence in the middle. Yeah. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, as an overarching plan, you got to go for it. you got to build the lines first. But as you were saying, you're not going to shoehorn a DT in there that might not be as good as the sauce, for example. You had the right of it last year. There's a lot of hit and miss on cornerbacks when you pick them high. Historically, everybody knows that. But sometimes, Patrick Sertain, you just know a kid is a stud. Man, give me Witherspoon all day if he's the guy. But having said that, if, if, if you're going to want my opinion on what we do in the draft, we got we got Jimmy the Bridge. I mean, bring in Newton too if you need to. Why not? It doesn't hurt. It's a contract sensible for depth. Another guy that knows the thing, knows the plan. But listen, if Anthony Richardson's there, you can't pass on that stud. You, okay. I mean, you just can't. You, he might not pan out. Maybe he becomes Terrell Pryor, and you got a, a beast on the outside. Who knows what you do with the kid's talent at that point? But if he's there, you got you got to take him. But truthfully, I've been wondering. All right. Th- thank you for the call, my man, Raider Jay. I know you said you got a lot, and I want to get to you, but we uh, we got to take a quick break. But that was a fantastic breakdown. We'll definitely uh, come back to it, and we'll come back to you as well. Vinny IR from the Sporting News will join us next to talk about free agency grades. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.